0: So it could be something like your friend group, people around you, family members asking when you'll get serious if they perceive that the relationship is not serious by whatever arbitrary criteria that may be, whether it's when are you going to live together or when are you going to get married or when are you going to do this or when are you going to be exclusive or or any number of things. Employers and managers may assume that you can work more than other people because you don't have anything else important going on or you don't have any clear obligations that might get in the way of working. You may not be entitled to plus to bring a plus one to events, or you may not be invited to events that are oriented towards couples. Or if you're in a situation where your relationships are not considered serious because you have more than one relationship, you may still be expected to have to choose one person to always bring to the plus one events.
1: On this episode of the Multi Amory podcast, we're talking about being single. Specifically, we're going to be talking about some truths and some myths about being single versus being married or being otherwise coupled. And as part of that conversation, we're going to talk about what being single even means because there isn't just one definition of that. We're also going to be looking at a lot of the ways that single people experience discrimination and then what we can do about it, both to help fight that kind of discrimination as well as how changing our thinking about being single can make our own relationships better. So for this episode, uh, I just want to save this up front here first, is that a lot of the information in this episode comes from the many, 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 many blog posts by Dr. Bella DePaolo, PhD. She's probably the foremost writer uh, in doing research about singleness today. She's written several books on it. One called Singled Out, another called "Singleism," another called How We Live Now. Uh, she also writes tons of blogs and runs a Facebook community that we'll talk about later, all sorts of things. So it's a lot of research from her as well as other researchers and writers who often collaborate with her. So I just wanted to kind of give that big credit right up front.
0: And we wish she could be here.
1: And we too. yeah. Maybe cool. in the future. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I hope that in the future, we could actually have her on for an episode. I think that would be really cool.
2: Yeah. So Dr. Bella DePaulo and these other researchers, Lisa Arnold, Rachel Budenberg, and Christina Campbell, they all look at the many ways that married people experience this privilege, this this big privilege in our society, and how single people are actually sort of discriminated against in our society in certain ways. And D- Dr. DiPaolo coined this term, singleism, and it is coined and created just to describe this discrimination that single people can experience. And we have talked a lot on this show about being single. We talk a lot, obviously, about being in relationships as well. And we've debunked these myths out there that married people tend to live longer lives, that they're happier, that they're healthier, that they're somehow more mature because they're married. They're more benevolent in some way. We well, we've reported on the debunking. We didn't do the debunking ourselves. Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess we uh, can't well, we've take discussed credit for maybe that. That. some of our lived experience. Yes. <laughs> we've discussed that <laughs> uh-huh. that debunking yeah. part. Yeah, I uh, and you know it, it's really important to stress right off the bat here that being single doesn't necessarily equal being alone even though so often i think many of us think of those words sort of interchangeably or they're used interchangeably they right. like uh, yeah. think about
1: right like how many articles or sentiments you've seen about like well i'm in this relationship and it's not great but it's better than being alone hmm. right there's this assumption that if i'm not in this relationship then i'm alone like totally alone and that that's not what being single means and and single people are not alone that's that's the other part of it right
2: so there are actually a lot of national surveys out there that show that being single does not equal being alone because specifically single people were shown to have more friends than married or previously married people regardless of whether or not they have kids and they are more likely to support and visit their parents and siblings, and have even been shown to be more likely to support their neighbors or other non related people in their lives. So these myths and the stigma and discrimination that go with, you know, being single and all of those things that come with it, it ends up hurting the very people who are probably more likely to support all of us in our times of need, because maybe they have more emotional bandwidth or a variety of reasons, more time. There's so many reasons why perhaps a person who is single in our society might actually get to be around people more than somebody who's coupled.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the flip side of that experience that we talk about pretty often on this show about, oh, I have this friend that I'm really close to, But then the minute they get into a romantic relationship, they just disappear. And Mm -hmm. I can't expect to reliably hang out with them or, you know, calling them for support, you know, even see them around more than occasionally. It's a really common phenomenon that our culture supports as a, a good thing, weirdly, because our culture really supports like, yeah, once you get in this romantic relationship or once you marry someone or once you have kids with someone, that needs to be your whole world. And it leaves a lot of people out in the dark. Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder, because, you know, with studies like this, you don't get to see causation. You can see a correlation, right, where they found on average that, like, I thought this was really interesting, that on average, when it comes to offering support to someone that is longer term, like three months or longer of someone needing continuing support in some way, that that's specifically where single people were much more likely to be the ones providing that support, Mm -hmm. even to... Strangers, like community members, wow. people they're not related to. And I. it made me wonder, though, like Emily said, well, maybe it's that they have more emotional bandwidth or something. I wonder if it's that or if it's possibly that when we couple, society teaches us this is the only thing you should be focused on now mm-hmm. to the expense of our relationships with our family members, our other friends, like Dedeker mentioned, or even like our community at large. Yeah which is something else that that came up in looking into this was that some of the people writing about being single bring up this thing of isn't it weird that we define you know people who are not single as you know being being in a relationship or however we're going to define that we'll talk about that a little bit more later but we talk about them and then we talk about singleness as this weird sort of other state that you really want to be coupled That that's how we talk Mm. about it. And that it's sort of strange since single is our default state. So they were saying, like, what if it was single and, like, unsingled? Mm. Right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like
2: that. Right.
0: So a quick caveat before we dive into this is it's important to remind y'all that it's not a competition. So... We have this term, singleism, that we're going to be exploring today, and that falls into a lot of the same camps with other isms, like racism, sexism, ageism. And when we're countering these kind of isms, you know, the approach is not to just do a flip-flop and try to say, oh, that means that this other race or gender or age is inherently better than another – The whole purpose of this is to identify and actively rectify the ways that our society and our legal systems and social systems at large discriminate against certain groups. And so when we're here debunking myths about married people living longer or pointing out the privileges that married people or coupled people have, or when we're looking at the pervasive ways that singles are discriminated against, we're not suggesting that people shouldn't get married or that couples are bad or that single people are somehow just better people. Rather, we're trying to actively go against these deeply ingrained stereotypes and myths that most of us accept just as truth.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, okay, so let's talk about singleism. And what this is, is it's basically a term, and this is actually worth clarifying a little bit, because singleism is a term for the discrimination or stigma that's given to single people. Uh, an improper use of the word singleism is to say something like, uh, you know, singleism is sweeping the nation. People are way more people are not getting married. Or, mm. Like it's not about the state of being single. Did
0: it's, you run into that when you were looking up stuff?
1: This is something specifically that, yeah, some articles and things have come up trying to say that. And it's something that Paolo has very clearly been like, that is not singleism. Singleism is like racism or sexism. It's that type of an ism. It's yeah. not, the state of being single. So just as a clarification, so none of you go out there and make a fool of yourself (laughs) talking about Mm singleism. So something I found really interesting in looking into this is that when it comes to singleism as a type of discrimination, it's been particularly problematic because a lot of studies as well as anecdotal evidence has shown that even when it's pointed out to people, there's kind of this sense of like, yes, I see it. And yes, I agree that that happened. And no, I don't think it's bad, Hmm. which is something we don't do as much with the other isms, right? It's like if something gets pointed out that's racist, there's if you accept, yes, that was discrimination, then it's like, okay, that we shouldn't do that. But in this, there's this weird mental gymnastics that we do, I think, because this is just so in the air that we breathe that and we've so internalized these beliefs about single people that it's like, yeah, okay, that was discrimination. But like, sure, but that's fine. Cause like, mm. cause they're not in a couple. So they don't need these things or they right. don't Right. Maybe there's a little things, bit or... of
0: that. That's their own dang fault. They sure should hurry maybe, up and yeah. couple up if they don't want that experience, maybe.
2: Well, I think also this is something that I have come around and realize that I struggled with in terms of feeling like somehow coupling is the better option in regards to my mom, because she Mm. has been single for basically my entire life. And for a long time, she was trying to find a father for me. And then finally, we both collectively decided that that was not what she needed to be doing. But I think that I always sort of harbored this idea that like, well, you know, maybe she does, she's like holding herself back in some way because she's not choosing to be in a couple or things mm-hmm. like that. But now, you know, I really appreciate the fact that she is very, she holds a lot of conviction for the fact that I am single and I want to be. And I don't want somebody else coming in and screwing up my piece and the life that I have <laughs> yeah. created for myself. And I think that that's incredibly valid. And I, I really applaud that choice that she has made for herself. But
0: I think the tricky thing, though, is that, I mean, I can call to mind so many rom-coms where that's a part of the plot is someone who mm-hmm. thinks that they're happy being sure. single. Yeah, You know, someone but you're who really not. <laughs> exactly, who puts forward, "No, I'm independent and I don't need anybody and I'm too busy with my career or with whatever it is." But then of course, someone magical comes along and it turns out, "No, they needed them the whole way." It's like there's it's an unwinnable situation because yeah. even someone who professes to be happy to be single, there's so many stories in our culture that leads us to think Mm, but do they really feel that way?
1: Right. It's, it's like we're taught that, oh, well their happiness is some kind of a coping mechanism for the fact that they're oh, really not God, happy. Yes. They, they found a <laughs> that, way to just, <laughs> <a> t- <laughs> right? that
0: phrase, their happiness is just a coping mechanism. Like, <laughs> right.
1: It's are yeah. so having. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: It makes sense though. I mean, I think about I've, I've fallen prey to this as well in the sense that I have close friends of mine where When they're single, and if they're single for a long period of time, especially years, I'm more likely to be, oh, I'm worried about them. Are they okay emotionally? I wonder if they're sad. I wonder if they're struggling. And then the minute that they get into a long term relationship, I'm like, okay, great. I don't don't have to worry anymore. Mm. They must be fine. I I definitely have that. And it most likely could be bullshit. (laughs) You know, yeah. short it's, entirely,
1: if, it's entirely possible yes. it's because they feel that pressure and they're actually much right. less happy doing that than they were. You Interesting. Know, not saying that's the case all the time, but mm. that very well could be the case. You don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So so as an example of this kind of really pervasive uh, discrimination, I wanted to share with you a study. So this is a study done in 2007 by Morris Sinclair and DePaulo called No Shelter for Singles, the Perceived Legitimacy of Marital Status Discrimination. So this study was done where people would read a story about a landlord who had two applications to rent an apartment from them. Both applicants had steady employment and positive references from previous landlords. And one of the applicants has offered to pay slightly more each month than the other one. And that applicant who offered to pay a little more was also single, and the other person was married. And in this story, the landlord decides to rent it to the married person who's going to pay less than an equally qualified single person who's willing to pay more. And they asked people, essentially, you know, a bunch of questions to gauge how they felt about this. Did they think this was a legitimate reasoning on the part of the landlord? Was this discrimination? What was it? And then... To put some context to it, they did the same study, but where they replaced the single and married parts of that story with other pairings like Caucasian versus African American. One applicant's a man, one's a woman. One's straight, one's gay. One's thin, one's obese. One's young, and one's old. And of all of these scenarios, the single versus married was the one people were least likely to even say was discrimination at all even though it's clear there, it's right right there on the page, mm. they were the least likely to use the word discrimination that that would come to mind to think about, and they were the most likely to say that that decision was justified. The only other one that came close was the ageism one, the one where they rented to a young person instead of an older person willing to pay more, which is also discrimination, but that was the the next like least, next least likely, call it discrimination, and the next most one they were likely to say was justified. And then race was the one that people were the most likely to say was discrimination and the mm. least likely to say was okay. Right. But so it's interesting that the single versus married, the and the gap between the single versus married and the old versus young is like huge. That oh, they were wow. like in a whole other category than all the other types of discrimination, of people just, we don't see it.
0: Did the study go into... Like, did it give any examples of what people gave as the justifications for yeah, it? I mean, I can, I'm, I can imagine I'm I like could probably <laughs> dream up some of that of like maybe what the thinking might be. But I'm wondering if the study cited any of that.
1: So my understanding of the study was that it wasn't like a qualitative one where they interviewed them about it, but more kind of asking different questions to gauge what they thought about it. But I'm not totally sure. I could look into that more. Mm. The study is, you know, of course, available uh, for those who want to get access right. to it.
0: I yeah. mean, I guess but, if i'm if I'm trying to think based on the assumptions that we have floating around in our culture, especially in this particular situation of renting to somebody, I suppose the landlord might think, well, first of all, I might just assume the married person's more stable <laughs> financially <laughs> exactly. that's one of them maybe yeah. potentially there's two incomes, even though that no, information is not provided. It could just be one income, too. but two incomes, and so that means financially maybe it's a little bit safer, maybe there's assumptions around the single person. I don't know. They're going to bring in a bunch of cats and ruin my (laughs) rental unit or, or they're going to be like a Tinder fuck boy and bring in a bunch of ladies. And somehow that's going to, I don't know, you know, uh, and they're going to bring sketchy people. Like, I don't know. I guess that's when I'm trying, these are not the things that I Mm -hmm. think, but I'm trying to think about how maybe our culture at large would extrapolate
2: this. I am thinking back to um, my panel discussion with people about denesting, but not decoupling and how Kiana, a researcher who was also a part of that panel, talked about the fact that she was discriminated against because in her first application she was denied for getting an apartment And the broker, even though she'd fit all the requirements and, you know, had enough pay and all of that, but yet she was still denied. And her broker said that the, they thought that the reasoning was because she was married, but not getting this home with her husband, uh, and uh, that that right. was confusing to them for a variety of reasons. And so therefore, oh they just said, screw it, we're going to deny her. Oh and, my goodness! I mean, yeah. that's another example yeah. of this, it, just another person choosing to live alone.
0: That makes a lot of sense that I, yeah. I guess to someone who didn't know anything else about the situation, they would automatically read, ooh, unstable relationship. Situation. Yeah. So, bye. Uh, yeah. I th- it, I've gotten run into that with Jace and with Alex. Like, I I think about times when you know pre-pandemic, would I do like a lot of pet sitting and like staying in people's mm. places, and where people would be asking me, "So you're not, you're not staying with your partner when you do this? Like, you don't want you're just staying alone? Like, you're not going to stay with him? Like, why? Why would you do that? Like, are you okay with that? Is he okay with that? And Hmm. Just the gap to have to cross to be like, yes, yes, 100% yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And what I found really interesting in reading about this study was just thinking about if I wasn't reading it in the context of researching for an episode about discrimination against single people, I also might have felt more likely to think, oh, well, yeah, I guess they had their reasons. Or, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I guess they think maybe the married person would stay longer. Than a single person might, because that person will probably get married and want to move out, or right. Like I could see making those justifications and not even thinking twice about it. It's just so pervasive. I'm like, yeah, yikes. I I probably would have fallen guilty to this as well. And that's, I think that's the point of doing an episode like this to really mm. look into this.
0: Yeah. So it turns out there's a lot of different types of being single, specifically as identified by Dr. DiPaolo. So we're going to look at some of the specific ways that these different types of singleness can be a disadvantage.
2: So we're going to go through legally single, socially single, and personally single. The first one is legally single, which just means that you aren't married. So this is something that I am. This is something that the two of you are the legal singles
0: mixer. Exactly. Welcome. Welcome, welcome.
2: I actually it's funny because whenever like I have to answer this question on various things like a census, or even when I was getting my COVID booster shot, it was like, What are you? And I have to say it's like single, married, divorced. And I'm like, Well, I'm none of those really. (laughs) But I guess I'm single.
0: Was the question actually, What are you? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> How are you what are you yeah exactly and so this is interesting i mean yeah there there are just so so many places where you have to a- answer a question like this but basically when you're looking at this in the context of situations from a legal standpoint it can extend even further perhaps to like cohabiting monogamous couples that they get privileges over those who are perhaps coupled, but maybe with multiple
1: people, like in a non monogamous relationship, for instance. Right. So like I had a job and we were talking about benefits and you could add a secondary person like to your health insurance benefits and things like that. And I asked that question of, Okay, it doesn't say spouse here. Does that mean that this can be some other kind of partner or or someone else? And, you know, the answer they gave, they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. It can be, you know, anyone, as long as you, I think they, in this particular case, I don't even think they said you had to live together. Although I think that was kind of implied, hmm. but it's like, it has to be someone and you know, you're paying the premium for both of you. So you're kind of financially entwined and like, I mean, she can't be married to someone else, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and like, everyone um, had a good laugh. I was just like, Hmm, interesting. <laughs> huh. This was my first day at the job. So I didn't make a fuss, but I was kind of like, Hmm, huh. Maybe once I'm more established here, I could bring up that little hmm. tidbit where maybe that doesn't quite apply. So universally as you think it does, that it can be a joke.
2: Right? Yeah. I-
0: I mean I definitely I mean I can't share too much here but I definitely ran into that in my process of like getting a travel exemption to go to mm-hmm. Australia to to be with my partner and oh, it
1: shows up in all kinds of ways like
0: all that. kinds of cases yeah. it is the kind of thing where I don't know as more government entities and institutions are slowly at a glacial pace becoming more comfortable with people not being married necessarily having different relationship situations, maybe just like domestic partnerships or stuff like that. I'm kind of like that does at least as a non-monogamous person, allow me to kind of fudge some details and kind of jump through some, some, some loopholes, essentially. I've
1: noticed that for sure. So
0: I guess keep that up if, if that's the best we can get for now.
2: Sure. Well, there are some disadvantages if you are legally single, and not legally married, for instance. So for some people out there, and I feel like this is kind of an internal thing, but it's something that I struggle with for sure. Uh, Legal marriage for some people is the only way to make your relationship real. And especially like from, as I just said, like a legal standpoint, you are not, uh, I guess you don't have any rights to one another's money or... I guess if you're in a situation where one of you is really ill and going to the hospital, like the right situation, unless you're like Dedeker, who decided to do something about that legally.
1: From well, you can only do so much. But only do yeah. so much, right? Yeah, exactly. And
0: I yeah, I got really freaked out about this mm-hmm. a little while ago because one of my favorite authors, Barbara Kingsolver, in her latest book, she actually explores that where she, mm. where her one of her characters in her, in her book like his live-in girlfriend dies, but because they've kind of chosen this, we're not going to get married and we're going to have a kid together, but we're not going to get married, that then after she dies, all of a sudden there's like all of these benefits that he can't take advantage of, like all stuff from her workplace and from the government and visitation Mm -hmm. rights and even dealing with custody that that did really freak me out and also make me really angry at the same time. Yeah, That there's just like so not a lot of options for people who don't necessarily want to do legal marriage.
2: Yeah. Uh, another disadvantage is that you don't get the potential for paying less in taxes through marriage benefits. Uh, you still have the option to file separately, but you know, you can get a lot of advantages from a taxation standpoint. The second that you get married, you can do a lot right. like of you have the option.
1: If you're a married person, you have the option to do what benefits you most. And as a single person, there is no option that benefits yeah. you.
2: Yeah. And there have been some
1: I didn't want to get into it in this episode, but like there have been some wild articles where people have really gone through the numbers of how much more it costs you to be single, single. than it is to be married uh in terms of taxes, and it's like from anywhere from like a hundred thousand up to like a million dollars difference Wow and it's, it's big, yeah,
2: yeah. You can't do things like share social security benefits, which, right, like
1: is, was saying, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's huge when you get older and when you start tapping into that. Also, you can't often get added to a partner's health insurance, like Jace talked about, or other benefits such as that.
1: Yeah. I mean, married people can give each other gifts tax free. Unlimited amounts of money to each other and not get taxed for it. Whereas if you give more than like $12,000 worth of gift to anyone, they have to pay tax on that gift that they received from you. If you're married, you get to combine your gifting. So one of you could give like double that amount because it's sort of from both of you because you now exist as one entity. Mm. Similar to what Dedeker was talking about, there's like survival benefits or survivor benefits if your partner's in the military or something like that. But if you're not married, nope, not for you. There have been studies that show married men make more money than unmarried men in the same positions interesting this, and these are studies in different countries i saw some ranging from like 2 to 3% more to some as high as like 25% or more for married men than unmarried men
0: well often it is an influencing factor in in like salary negotiations right huh. that that if you're like i have a spouse and we're starting a family or we just started a family or we just bought a house or whatever that people do use that sometimes or sometimes it kind of depends on the workplace culture but like that does factor into people's decision making versus you're just a single dude so what do you need
1: right (laughs) yeah yeah if you want to adopt you're gonna have a much harder time if you're not legally married like you know like emily pointed out with kiana's story renting well, I guess in her case, being married was part of the challenge there. But, but right, like being if you're married, single, it's but, harder to get approved, yeah, right?
2: Not yeah. living with them. Yeah.
1: Know. Yeah. And so while we mentioned before that single people have not been shown to be actually lonelier than married or coupled people, like that's been disproven. And like during COVID, there have been studies about like, but are the single people okay? And the kind of studies all came back being like, yep, they're not lonely. Mm-hmm. But they are at a much higher risk of poverty and hunger during the pandemic, especially. In in general, they're always at higher risk as well. And then the pandemic has exacerbated that.
2: Yeah, it's so expensive to be single, though. Mm -hmm. Like to live, especially in a place like Seattle or Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Yeah, it's it's so much easier to be coupled or be with a roommate or someone Mm -hmm. than live alone.
1: Yeah. And then and then last thing kind of like Emily mentioned going in for her COVID booster shot and having to answer questions about her marital status, which how is that relevant? It's not. It's not. Exactly. But some some studies and like investigations have been done into things like decisions about what kind of care people get for COVID or who gets prioritized on organ transplants or who gets taken more seriously when they're sexually assaulted favor people who are married over people who are single. So like, yikes, yikes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeesh. yeesh Some
1: real bullshit.
0: Yeah. So, so that's all the wonderful things that can come along with being legally single. We're going to talk about being socially single. And the way that we distinguish that is that, you know, socially single refers to when you're in a relationship, but Other people don't count it as quote unquote serious for whatever reason and factors for why people may or may not see a relationship as serious include things like, is it monogamous? That's Mm -hmm. a huge one. How often do you see each other? are you cohabiting or not? How long have you been together? Is your partner married to someone else or not? Uh You know, like so many factors. And I, I think we're really swimming against the tide here because it does seem like the definition of what counts as a real or serious relationship is surprisingly narrow in mainstream culture. And so for any of us who are outside of that very, very narrow window of what counts as a serious relationship, I think count as socially single. Again, this can vary by social setting from, you know, the macro culture of our society at large to the micro culture of the community that you grew up in, or even your immediate family, uh, your coworkers, your friend groups, things like that.
1: I think this is so interesting is that like being single or not is not even, even though we try to make it a binary, it's not even because it can mm -hmm. vary by the setting. In this group, I'm treated like I'm single. And in this one, I'm not, for example. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. wild to me to think about. Yeah.
0: So for instance, you know, there is health insurance and benefits that will allow for certain types of domestic partners where it's like, okay, so if you don't want to get legally married, great. But if you want these benefits, then you have to live together. You have to intertwine finances in some way. That was something I really ran up against with a lot of this government paperwork was Sure, you don't need to be legally married, but you have spent money together, right? Right? Like you've made some huge financial purchases together, right? Because that's really the only way that we can track that you're actually serious is how much money the two of you have spent together, which is just, don't even get me started. At the time I was going through that, I was just like way too distracted and stressed to even think about this. But in the subsequent months, it's been really percolating through me where I'm like, that's kind of messed up.
1: And it really shows where our priorities
2: lie. Well, capitalism baby <laughs> yeah it's yeah. such a funny
1: thing though cuz like in that that type of example right like when it comes to things like citizenship or uh, you know benefits visas stuff like that it's this thing of like i find myself asking that question of like well sure but like how else are they going to tell that you're actually in a relationship and then it's like wait a minute we got to take another big step back and be like, why is that the important question <laughs> Yeah, here? right. And it's, yes. it, yeah, it is just so ingrained that it's like, we don't even think of that second question right away. Yeah.
0: So it could be something like your friend group, people around you, family members asking when you'll get serious if they perceive that the relationship is not serious by whatever arbitrary criteria mm-hmm. that may be, whether it's when are you going to live together or when are you going to get married or when are you going to do this or when are you going to be exclusive or or any number of things employers and managers may assume that you can work more than other people because you don't have anything else important going on or you don't have any clear obligations mm-hmm. that might get in the way of working. You may not be entitled to plus to bring a plus one to events or you may not be invited to events that are oriented towards couples or if you're in a situation where your relationships are not considered serious because you have more than one relationship, you may still be expected to have to choose one person to always bring to the plus one events.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's just, this this one to me is really interesting because it overlaps in certain areas, like with the benefits, with legally single, but it also it has like a lot of these social ramifications. And the work one is especially interesting because that came up a lot in the stuff that I was reading while researching this episode was people being treated with this expectation of like, you're always going to be the one to work overtime because what else are you doing? Hmm. Right? That, that kind of thing. And then, okay, the third category, and these are all categories that DePaolo came up with, is being legally single, socially single. And then the last one is being personally single. And this one's interesting in the way that it overlaps with the others, because this one is if you think of yourself as single, regardless of what other people think, So she was saying that usually if other people think you're partnered, then you probably think that about yourself too. Mm. But that's not always the case. People could see you as being part of this couple and you could see yourself as being, no, I'm a single person. They're a single person. We have some kind of a relationship, but my identity is more about being single.
0: Yeah, it feels similar to the ways that I think a lot of people define and practice solo polyamory.
1: Yeah. Right, it reminds you know, me of that. You know, I can be yeah. in
0: these relationships and connected to people and maybe even have a particular amount of commitment to more than one person, but I still see myself as single or solo. Like, we're not mm-hmm. trying to create this this central unit.
1: Man. Right. Or, in you know, you also could be single and you're dating, but not dating in an effort to try to like become part of a couple as an identity, but more just I'm dating because I like dating, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I'm doing, but I see myself as single and other people may not. So that one's kind of this interesting one that can overlap in sort of different ways with the others. Mm-hmm. But in terms of some of the, the areas where you can encounter discrimination here is things like... Um, a lot of Emily mentioned this before, but like a lot of consumer goods and services are priced to favor couples. So things like vacation packages are built around two people. Club memberships are often cheaper for couples Gym than memberships for individuals. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. for sure. Family plans. Yeah. I guess you can do that with other people, but still. Yeah. Even in buying groceries. I've found, mm-hmm. you know, during the times when I'm living by myself versus the times when, you know, Dedeker is living with me it's harder to find groceries in like acceptable sizes that I'll actually use. It's true. everything's
2: know? like bulk. It's like, what the hell am I going right. to do with five it's stocks true. of Romaine? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Especially when it comes to, to like produce or things like yeah. that, things that go bad. It's like, yikes, this is hard. That's why Unless I love I'm the able single
2: carrots like, that you right. can find sometimes at Whole
1: Foods. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, that it's kind of like the single person is the afterthought, that everything's made for the couple or the family even. And the single person is sort of like, you're lucky if you get some scraps here. (laughs) Another one that can show up is people expressing regret for your singleness, right? So more of a social one, right? Where... Maybe you have several partners, but you identify as single. And if you call yourself single, people go, oh, you know what? I have a friend. Let me try to hook you up. Or, oh, gosh, I hope you're okay. Like that kind of pitying.
2: Yeah. And also pitying on the other end, if if you are partnered in some way, but still consider yourself to be single, those out there who are looking at your partner may feel like, oh, they're, I, I feel sorry for that person or... They Mm. must be feeling so shitty because, you know, this dude doesn't want to make it official with them or something Mm. along those lines or something. Yeah, Yeah. I was a dude. No, sure, but whomever, whomever it might be. Yeah. And also, people might assume that you're sad or that you're depressed or like I did, you know, unfortunately with my mom for a while, feel like, oh, well, maybe there's like a block holding this person back from wanting to get themselves out there. Things like that. It's just like blanket statements that may have no basis in reality. Also, maybe assumptions that something's wrong with you. Or if you own like a bunch of pets, for example, like that familiar trope of the old cat lady, you know, that, that you're compensating in some way with... Other beings in your life as opposed to
1: a human being.
0: Oh, I've uh, seen it even when people yeah. have a pet,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An animal, and they're single, oh, there's I see. still that narrative. Mm. You've got a yeah. pet because you're so lonely. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And then also assumptions like both of you were talking about that you're a workaholic or that you can, you know, just do work all the time because you're a single person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, this might seem like a bummer so far, but there's not all bad news when it comes to being single. It's not all doom and gloom. And that's what we're going to get to next. But first, we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can support this show. If this is information you find valuable and you want to help spread the word and get that out there, we would love it if you take a moment to check out our sponsors and support us on Patreon. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
2: Welcome back, everyone. So a lot of this first part of this episode was sort of doom and gloom and sadness regarding all of the ways in which single people are sort of discriminated against and how kind of our legal system isn't helping single people out in any way, really. However, there are a lot of great things about being single. There are a lot of studies out there that have also shown benefits to being single. So we're going to talk about some of that. There is evidence that single people are more active and that they get more ec- exercise than married or divorced people.
1: This one was interesting, too, because specifically, it was that single people who had always been single got the most exercise. My mother. People who were divorced got the next percent. most. Oh, yeah. Huh. And people who were married got the least of, of the three groups oh, wow. they studied. Yeah,
2: Wow. Uh, Women who have always been single have better overall health than married women. That's really interesting. Yeah, including like fewer sick days from work. So single people are also less likely than married people to have credit card debt, even without children, despite the cost of living being higher for single people, like I talked about earlier, and wages being lower on average. Hmm. That's really interesting. Less people to maybe spend money on. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this one I I did puzzle about. And this was something that in helping out with the research, Kiana pointed out with this, she's like, "Well, I don't think this overrides like the financial disadvantages you have, mm. but it is interesting that there's less credit card debt." Yeah. Mm. And that this was another one where in the study they had single people, married people without kids and married people with kids as three groups. Single people had the least credit card debt on average. People without kids had the next least, and married people with kids had the most. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is yeah. not surprising, I guess. Yeah. But but it's also interesting, though, since the people who are married with kids have also been shown to make the most money in equivalent mm-hmm. positions and have all these other benefits. So it yeah. is it is interesting.
2: Yeah. Single people have also been shown to score higher on measures of personal growth and betterment. So they're looking for ways in which to better themselves in a variety of fashions. Uh, Also, being self-sufficient has been shown to decrease negative emotions in single people, but actually increases them for married people. Wow, that's really interesting. So in other words, the more somebody likes to do things on their own, the more likely they are to have negative feelings regarding that if they're married. Hmm. So that's really interesting. I I
0: feel like that speaks to the linchpin of... A lot of relationship conflict, maybe not necessarily conflict all the time, but a little bit of a relationship paradox that a lot of us face. And I think especially those of us in non-monogamous relationships, we tackle this question all the time of how do I combine being attached to someone entangling with someone whether that's financially or cohabiting or not just emotionally entangling with someone and at the same time maintain autonomy and individuality Mm -hmm. and giving my partners that autonomy and individuality as well and yeah i think it makes sense that we we grow up in a culture that doesn't really support us wanting to hold both of those things at the same time it's kind of like if you want to be autonomous be single and if you want to be attached be married or coupled (laughs) And there's not a lot of social scripts or, yeah, yeah, or encouragement for holding both of those at the same time.
1: Yeah, this one also, this particular study got mentioned in a lot of different articles, some of which mentioned the findings of the study and then kind of drew totally incorrect conclusions from it, Hmm. which was interesting. I just feel like the the concept of it's just a little hard for people to wrap their head around, because we think being self-sufficient is... A good thing, but then it's like, but in a certain situation, it's negative. How does that work? Why is it negative? Is it because they hate doing stuff on their own when they're married? It's like, no, no, no. It's saying the opposite thing. It's saying they would like to do stuff on their own, Mm. but they feel like they can't. And that's what made me wonder with all these things, right? We have to keep in mind with any kind of study period, any kind of study period is about averages and Mm. about trends, right? Not about each individual. So, you know, you could have a single person who never exercises. They hate exercise, right? Like, none of this is saying this is always true. Sure. But with this particular one, it made me wonder if you had people say you did this same study with like multi-amory listeners, or maybe a little bit more aware of if you are in a couple, not uh, like maintaining some sense of, individuation between the two of you and not just kind of like giving up your own identity because so much research has been done to show that that really helps your connection rather than hinders it. And so it kind of makes me wonder if, if you were studying those people, if you wouldn't see this same trend. So I don't know, just, just some interesting questions where it really kind of depends wh- who the people are. And th- this is all about averages, right?
0: Well, the day yeah. we can get all of our multi-amory listeners into the lab, into <laughs> right. the love lab,
1: Yeah, I would love to
0: track some of these things. Oh, we gotta gotta do a study. We
2: gotta do a study
0: someday. So many
2: studies.
0: (sighs) Okay. So ultimately, what can we do about this? What can we do to just increase our own happiness as either single people ourselves or just living in community with single people? How can we fight singleism? And how can we make the world a better place for everyone, regardless of their relationship status? Well, I'll oh, tell indeed. you. We have it oh, all indeed. figured out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Please, my enlighten us. Well, of course, we don't have the airtight answer, but we have a couple of things that we think would probably help. You know, first and foremost would be encouraging people to just foster your friendships, whether you're married or not whether you're monogamous, non-monogamous, you know, it really doesn't have to do with what kind of relationship you are in or want to be in, but just fostering connections with the people around you. You know, I think we have to be very intentional to do that because we do live in a culture that doesn't really want us to foster friendships. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why everyone Mm -hmm. complains about how hard it is to make friends when you're an adult. It's because we live in a culture that really is not set up for that. It's really set up to funnel us into these little, micro family units, and these two person dyadic relationships and to just focus on that. And so anything that you can do to foster those friendships, is actually a little bit revolutionary considering the culture that we live in and the systems that we're living under. So part of that may include things like learning about relationship anarchy, for instance, you know, go Google the relationship anarchy manifesto, listen to our past episodes about it. And that may include reevaluating the unconscious ways that we favor certain types of relationships over others because of their label rather than their actual value. And again, this is something that I would encourage everybody to do, whether you're monogamous, non-monogamous, interested in polyamory at all, or if you feel like you're very traditional, if you want to be single, if you don't want to be single, I think learning about maybe a slightly different value set and a different set of core beliefs can be really helpful here. It can also be good to join a community of single people. So Dr. Mm-hmm. De created a Facebook group specifically for singles to support each other and not look for dates. I think that's the problem, <laughs> and why yeah. honestly, even saying the word "singles" always makes me feel a little bit averse. Singles is gonna mingle, exactly. Singles gonna mingle. Mm-hmm. Singles night, a singles cruise. Like it's it's all dripping in. You got to go find someone to hook up with, or can to you pair imagine with in though? some way?
1: Can you imagine a singles cruise where it's just all about everyone getting together to talk about how much they love Ooh, being single? It's the single It's shit. the single
0: support ship.
1: Yeah, that's what okay, it is. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah,
0: the SSS. Just a bunch of buds. SS, SSSSS. <laughs> yes. Reporting for duty. <laughs> Anyway, so Dr. DePaulo's group is called a community of single people. It's open to anyone who identifies as single and agrees to follow their community rules, including not seeking out dates, which I think this is a fantastic idea. Again, I can see how people would have such a hard time wrapping their brains around this, but I think Mm -hmm. this is something that's so needed.
1: Yeah. And just as a quick note, for those of you who are listening, who are some kind of mental health professional, or maybe even a community leader, that that is the one exception, that it's for people who identify as single or people who work with single people in some sort of a a helping way. And actually, that's how I joined the group. So I could kind of see some of this stuff in researching this was saying, hey, I, you know, I help lead this community and offer resources for people on this. But one of the questions is, are you going to look for dates? And I said, heck mm-hmm. no. <laughs> no. <Nah>. So, <laughs> so don't do it. Don't do it. They'll kick you right out and you deserve to be kicked out because that's against the rules. So another thing that you can do here, and this is one that's, that's interesting. And it's basically pointing out singleism when you see it. And something to be aware here is that, like we talked about, that even when this gets pointed out to people, they will often still think, yeah, but So like, but that's okay. Or the other reaction we didn't talk about before is people will get very angry and very defensive, right? Like if you think about like the reactionary laws and policies that have been passed anytime something seems to remotely threaten marriage, right? Like the defensive marriage act that was passed when Hawaii was trying to legalize same-sex marriage. And it was like, wow, we're under attack. We need to do this thing. right? That, that people get very upset about this. So just mm-hmm. kind of a word of caution that if you're someone who, you know, is in enough of a position of privilege that you're not as afraid of these negative consequences coming to you for pointing these things out, or in certain situations, if you're someone who's not single, pointing out things like, hey, COVID testing site, this question has nothing to do with, with my getting this booster shot. How about you stop asking that? Or I'm not going to answer this question and I'm going to write in none of your business or whatever it is. Yeah. Right.
2: It's a so, demographic thing, but still it doesn't matter. It has nothing. Yeah. Give me the jab. Right. right. It and to it's me. that thing,
1: right? Like if someone, you know, asked, you know, okay, you're going to come in for your booster shot. What's your race? Yeah. There's always that thing of like, you, this is optional. But that question mm. about whether you're married or not doesn't have that little optional thing you're by right.
0: it. Hmm. So
1: so again, it's not a type of discrimination that's protected against, really. So some examples of this, and and DePaulo writes about this in uh, the book Singled Out, I think is the one where she gives some examples of people wrote into her with stories of how they've tried to fight singleism. <laughs> but some some examples that she mentions are things like writing into a company to point out that they're only marketing to couples or families and wondering if you should take your business elsewhere. Mm. (laughs) That some have actually seen changes in copy from companies because they've brought up these complaints. So that was interesting. Like, hey, I'm a single person who loves your product, but I think I should look somewhere else now. Kind of, you know, stick it to them there. I
0: mean, you get them where it hurts, right? Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Or, you know, like I said, refusing to answer a question that's not relevant to something, like in a medical setting, potentially. Or if you're someone who has any sway at your workplace and you see some of these policies in place or just even questions that are not really appropriate, uh, bring them up. See if you can do something about that. And if you have other ideas, we'd love to hear about those. Like, mention those in the Discord or in the Facebook group. It'd be really interesting to see if people have found other, especially effective ways of fighting some of this and bringing this up.
2: So also you can support people who are actively working to affect less legislation and otherwise promote equality for single people by fighting for more rights for them. So that can look like a variety of ways. I mean, you can call into a congressperson, for example, or even just, you know, it, fight with the dollars that you spend if you know of specific places that cater to single people or don't at least discriminate against them then you can take your business there because capitalism matters in terms of things like that.
1: Yeah, there's there's also a lot of, you know, nonprofits and advocacy groups out there for mm-hmm. for rights for single people, for healthcare for single people, things like that and you know, you can just Google that. Look into that. Look at Paolo's writing. She works with a lot of those groups and talks about them on her site. So there's a lot of resources out there that you could help support.
2: Also take some time to kind of examine yourself and examine the ways in which singleism comes up in your own life. I know for myself, being in a monogamous relationship, I struggle sometimes with the fact that I am legally single And that I am not legally married, for example, and all of the things that come with being married, that I'm not afforded that. And I think that it causes me to feel as though, oh shit, well, I should be trying to move in this direction of being a non-legally single person. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that just is my own internal bias regarding being single And regarding, you know, the legality of all of that. And also, you know, in looking at the single people in my life, like I've talked about throughout throughout this episode, specifically my mom and my own personal bias when it comes to that. So examine those things in your life, because I think that it can come out as perhaps microaggressions to the single people in your life when that's not deserved or merited or, you know, that shouldn't be occurring. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Also, share this episode with people, as well as the variety of blogs out there. Look up the writings of DiPaolo and the other people that we discussed on this episode. And just all of the different things out there on this subject.
0: And last but not least, I'm never going to encourage anyone to do anything illegal. At least not in a recorded sure? medium. <laughs> However.
1: <laughs> I was like, wait for the bus. <laughs> But There's
0: a lot of, I'll call it legal Tomfoolery that you can do in the sense that, you know, our culture has this bullshit of you, we have like the, the one state sanctioned form of relationship and we're going to give all kinds of benefits and tax cuts and all kinds of legal and financial validation to that form of relationship and I'm all about using those tools to your own advantage in order to get the legal protections that unfortunately were not given quite yet as a right as either single people or people who are not married or not monogamous in some way. So the way that looks, you know, some of the stuff that I've, I've, the kind of legal tomfoolery I've played around with in my life is stuff like creating a really custom, like last will, for instance, that includes not just, well, I'm not married to anybody. So it includes the people that I name in it that I want to be my beneficiaries. Um, that does take time and money. That's not accessible to everybody. Same as, you know, some people will do something like form a corporation. Together and this could be with multiple Multi partners, Amory? it could be with friends, it could no, be like what we did with multiamory, <laughs> where obviously there's not we're not like in a romantic triad or anything like that, but we are like legally financially entangled through this business that weirdly gives us a lot of strange protections that you wouldn't expect. Something that is free to do is if you have a retirement account or a bank account, you can list people as beneficiaries on that, so that like if you die that money goes to the people that you want instead of hmm. going into probate or automatically going to a spouse or whatever it is, you know, or automatically going to a parents or or things like that. So... I really encourage people to do your research. Of course, legal stuff is going to be different depending on where you're living. And so, of course, always defer to any experts or any expert advice that may be out there. But just there are ways to use the tools that we're given in maybe a way the tool wasn't meant to be done. But we're kind of, I don't know, I get a lot of joy about beating them at their own game whenever I can. So (laughs) Uh (laughs) that's what I would encourage people to do. If
1: you're able. Yeah. Yes. If you're able. All right. So we're going to go on and record a bonus episode where we're going to look at a list of checking our marital privilege. And while none of us are married, I actually think a lot of the things on the list still apply. And I think it's just, it's it's a fun list that basically turns all of these ways that single people are discriminated against on its head. It kind of says like, imagine if it were a world where it were the other way around, where you were discriminated against for being coupled or married, and kind of how how absurd that would feel so, as kind of a way to illustrate this. So we're going to kind of take a look at this list, go through it, talk about it in the bonus episode. Also, we would love to hear from all of you on our Instagram stories. Our question for this week is, what's the best thing about being single? So if you are single... Please weigh in. Let us know what's the best thing about it. Let's bring some awareness to the advantages of that as well. Also, if you want to discuss this episode further, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our Discord server or in our Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. MultiAmory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenowark and Carson Collins. Research help for this episode is by Dr. Kiana Nurse. Our theme song is "Forms I Know I Did" by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on MultiAmory.com.